Hey, what's up, everybody? This is uh, Gary Ol with the Get Some Podcast. I feel like I say this every week. I say my good friend, but this guy is uh, Terrence Jay's my guest this week. We go, we know we've done two films together, Think Like a Man One and Two. We'll get into how we got casted and how we got on 106 and Park and how we became so close to Michael B. Jordan and, and Will Packer and Deion Taylor and everything else because he's, he's becoming. Terrence is becoming a mogul right before my eyes. You know, he really is that guy transitioning from in front of the screen to behind the screen. Then he'll come back in front of the screen. But he's really making his mark behind the scenes more than in front of the camera. There's a lot of money behind the camera. To anybody trying to get in the entertainment business, there ain't nothing. There's a lot of money in front of it, but there's a lot of fucking money. That's where you can really get that fuck you money is behind the camera. Uh... But this week was, was crazy. I went back on the road for the first time. I went to West Palm Beach, went to the improv, and uh, it was social distancing. Club holds 500. We got 250 in. We sold out every show. Uh, it really, once I got on stage, it didn't feel any different. My first couple shows was a little choppy. I was all over the place. I knew I was forgetting some bits and jokes. I was like, I got a run of my act where I got, I talk about like four different Netflix shows that I've watched. And I was doing this joke before the lockdown. And now the joke has twisted because now I'm like, yo, since the lockdown, I've been watching Netflix a lot. And I kept forgetting this one show on Netflix. And I had to call my manager and ask her. And she's, she's like me. She's got the mind of an elephant. And she rattled off the show right away. And I was like, oh, I forgot I was talking about that show. Because I asked Brad and Brad was just like, man, uh, hmm. Uh, dang, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why you're with me. So here's what's funny. So my first show at the box at West Palm Beach, uh, it's funny, like I felt like I was an asshole, but I was trying to be somewhat careful of the coronavirus. So the club is super sanitized now. Like the all they take the temperature of the wait staff, all the wait staff has gloves, a mask on. Everything I want is there before I get there as far as food-wise, stuff on my rider, drinks, food. Uh, but uh, I tell Brad, I say, hey, man, I need you to take notes this, uh, this first show uh, because I, I, something new might pop in my head. I'm obviously talking about some of the protests I've been to. I'm talking about the George Floyd incident. I'm talking about the coronavirus, obviously. So there's so many things I'm talking about that... I, you know, I don't know how they're going to come out. I'm kind of working out on stage. So I tell Brad, take notes, man. I need you to take notes of everything I talk about on stage. I get off stage. Brad had like three words. And it was one. He had the number one. And it said like statues. Then two, it said Confederate flag. Then three was something else. I go, what is this? I go, I was on stage for like Almost two hours my first night back because I was just working stuff out and all over the place. Brad had three words. I said, Brad, I was on stage for like almost two hours. What, what, what was this? He goes, yeah, but all, all the other stuff you had talked about before. I said, oh, I ain't been on stage in over three months. <laughs> I don't know what I was talking about. He goes, yeah, but I heard that stuff. I go, I understand that, but I need you to put it down so I can see it. I didn't want to route the whole joke. I just need a couple words like bullet points so I know what I'm talking about. I love my romance of Brad, but that is not a strong suit. Confrontation and remembering my jokes. He'll tell me a joke that I told eight years ago. Hey, man, you should try this joke. I go, yeah, I did that on my special. I can't use it anymore. It's already been on TV. So other than that, the crowds are great. They were laughing at everything. Everybody seemed geeked to be out. Uh, some people were, were wearing masks, some weren't. They, um, they sanitized the microphone. So, you know, there's a, a guy that goes up before me. He literally, they have a microphone to the side. He has to put a glove on, take the mic out, and then put a, a new mic in, and boom, 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 and I had to watch it. And even I went down there, and I wiped up the mic after I got on stage. So the microphone was sanitized, because that's, that's one thing people don't realize in this business. Probably one of the nastiest things you can have in your hand is a microphone because if you're on a show with like five comics 
there's projectiles, there's spit, there's everything hitting that microphone. And then you're grabbing it after another guy had grabbed it, who knows where his hands has been, and the mic stand, everything. Literally, if you're gonna catch the, the coronavirus, don't be on a show with seven or eight comics or five or six comics, and they're not switching the mic out. Because I think that's gonna be the biggest change is we're probably gonna have to wipe the mics down. Coming to the stage, Gary Owens, gotta wipe the mic down real quick. Then I'm wiping it down when I go up. That's, that's a big change, I think, in this uh, post-coronavirus. But uh, I got, where am I at this weekend? I am in Jackson, Mississippi this weekend at a place called Chuckles Comedy House. I've never been there. I'm not even sure if the coronavirus has hit Mississippi yet. Mississippi's always seems like it's a little slower than everywhere else. I probably just cost myself ticket sales because I just call Mississippi slow. It's just a slower pace of life. But uh, yeah, I'm in Jackson, Mississippi this week. And then my schedule's always changing, but I'm going to the states where they're like, the, the governors are like, nah, we're opening up. We're gonna get through this pandemic, but we're gonna keep our economy open. So I'm, I, I'm going to Phoenix, July 3rd to the 5th. And then I'm in Arlington, Texas, which is Dallas the week after that, and then I'm in Atlanta the week after that in July. So I always just tell people, just go to the website, GaryOwen.com, everything's on there. And I, if you have an iPhone, I have an app. Just search Gary Owen. You can download my app, and it's free, and all my tour dates are on it. So that's the best way to keep track of my schedule. So I don't want to keep Terrence waiting too long, uh, but I want to do my one-verse rap. And I went with the hottest rap song in the country right now by Roddy Rich and the baby called Rockstar. Now I was with my daughter listening to this in a car, and so she didn't send this to me, but we were both like vibing to it as we was driving a couple days ago. So I said, I'm gonna just pull this up on my own and uh, read these lyrics and see if I can figure it out. So, whew, okay, this is Roddy Rich and the baby, Rockstar by a over 40 white guy. Keep a glocky when I ride in the suburban cause the codeine had a young N-word swerving. I got the mop, watch me wash him like detergent. And I'm ballin', that's why it's diamonds on my jersey. Slide on oops side and flip the block back, yeah, yeah. My junior popped him and left him lopsided, yeah, yeah. We spin his block, got the rebound Dennis Rodman. You fool me one time, you can't cross me again. Okay. Let me see if I can figure this out. Okay, let me check. Okay. Uh, keep a glocky when I ride in the suburban, because the coding had a young N-word swerving. So basically, I keep the gun in the car, and my car is a suburban. Uh, cause I'm, I'm on the coding right now. I'm not thinking clearly. It had a young man, you know, out of his mind, young N-word swerving. So he's like, yo, I got the gun in the car, but the coding, and I ain't really thinking right. So I'm swerving a little bit. I got the mop, watch me wash him like detergent. I don't know what the mop is. Dang it. I'm pretty sure watch me wash them like detergent as I will, I, will, I will destroy anybody that gets in my way. But I don't know what the mop is. I don't know if the mop is a gun or is it his hands or is it his lyrics. I just don't know what the mop is. So when you guys watch this, somebody tell me what the mop is. But clearly, I got the mop. Watch me wash them like detergent. That means I'm cleaning these fools out. I'm cleaning all these guys out. Get out of my world. And I'm balling. That's why it's diamonds on my jersey. So he's got a lot of money. So when he wears a jersey, he gets him bedazzled, but it's probably real diamonds. So, or, or it's a necklace. It's a diamond necklace on top of his jersey. So he's got the jersey on with a diamond necklace on, and the diamonds are right here on his chest on the jersey. So, so he's balling. That's why it's diamonds on my jersey. Slide on oops. Ops side, it could be the opponent's side. O-P-P-S apostrophe. Slide on ops, oops side and flip the block back. Yeah, yeah. My junior popped him and left him lopsided. Yeah, yeah. That means 
So I think it's opponents. It's his opponent. Slide on ops or uh, oops, oops side and flip the block back. Yeah, yeah. My junior popped him and left him lopsided. So that means they went on the other side of town because they're about to take, they flipping the block back. Like we're taking our block back. You, this ain't your block no more. You, this is our side of town. This, you think it's your side of town, but it's our side of town. Um, and his junior popped him and left him lopsided. That means somebody younger than him, the baby, hit this dude, left him lumped up, like put a bruise on him or a knot on his head. We spin his block, got the rebound, Dennis Rodman. You fool me one time, you can't cross me again. That means we done took over your block. You did me wrong. You did something to me that wasn't right. So I had to come back on you. So you thought I was done like Dennis Reed. Dennis Rodman gets the rebound. It's like he's grabbing the ball like, oh, we thought we were getting the ball back. Nah, Rodman got the ball. He got the rebound. So uh, you can fool me one time, but you ain't going to cross me again. That means, yeah, you got me one time. You fooled me. You tricked me. You lied to me. Ain't going to happen again, though. Promise you that. Yeah, yeah. So, and the yeah, yeah just adds a little bit to the song. You know what I mean? Keep a glocky when I ride in the suburban because the coding had a young N-word swerving. Got the mop, watch me wash him like detergent. And I'm balling, that's why it's diamonds on my jersey. Slide on my oops side, oops side and flip the block back. Yeah, yeah, my junior popped him and left him lopsided. Yeah, yeah, we spin his block, got the rebound. Dennis Robin, you fooled me one time, you can't cross me again. I should have a deal. And I, I got, I learned this when I, before I was saying N-word, I said it means a black guy. I found out it doesn't mean a black guy. It just means any guy. It just means that's what, it just means anybody. So the N-word now means anybody in, in rap lyrics. So I learned that from people's comments and people educate me on this. So every week I always ask my guest, you could work with one person, who would it be? And Terrence said Denzel. And I apologize, I didn't get that on camera. We were recording and as we were recording, Terrence's laptop died. Since it died, and Terrence just texted me. I said, yo, we didn't get the last question in. Terrence, his dream is to work with Denzel Washington. But this is not my fault. I did not forget. Terrence's laptop died in the middle of our interview. Hence, if we was live in studio and this coronavirus wasn't happening, I could have just asked him. But we are at the mercy of outlets. And Terrence's computer died. So I had to call him. And Denzel is the person... Terrence wants to work with one day. Dream co-star. We met in 2009 at the uh, Zoe Summer Groove uh, officially, but we didn't really talk. I just met him. <laughs> Fast forward two years later, we end up doing a movie together that nobody thought was going to be as big as it was. Fast forward three years after that, he let me stay at his house for like four days. <laughs> and nobody knew. And I hope I left it clean because we're still friends. Former host of 106 in Park, uh, proud North Carolina A&T Aggie, my good friend Terrence Jace on the Get Some podcast this week. Terrence, what's up? I came to get some. What's up, brother? Let's get right into it. Um, you were on Jeffrey Epstein's manifest. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> so I, ju I just watched the documentary the other day. I mean, what the fuck? You ain't lying. I was like, uh, Orgy Island. That dude right there, man. Talk about uh, uh, a lifestyle. Wow. Crazy. It just lets you know there's so much going on in the world that we have no clue. There's, there's levels. And the fact stuff. that, you know, his house could be next to anybody's house, you know, and and uh, I just, I, I, I don't even know what to say about the documentary. I don't even know. You think about the craziness in the world, and I mean, that, he looked like such an average looking dude that could have been walking right next to you at Whole Foods, and you would have taken a double take. Here's what, what fucking gets me about you, Gary, and, and so, Think Like a Man was probably, was like one of my first movies, right? You, you study the script and you read over these lines and so you have in your head this idea of how a scene is going to play out. And 
I still don't even know if Gary was written into the movie. Like, I don't actually think <laughs> Gary ever had any lines. And Gary would always just, like, pop out of nowhere in a scene he wasn't written into and then just say the funniest off-the-cuff shit that just, like, fucks you up. And still to this day, you're doing it to me right now. Like, I, like, I have an idea of where I think you're going to take this interview. And then before you know it, I'm knee-deep in Jeffrey Epstein. I'm all the way there. This is what Gary does to everybody. This is what That's Gary what does do. best. This is what you do best. I like to throw people for a loop, you know? Because here's my thing. With the podcast and me talking to people, and especially with we're in the pandemic, so I can't get everybody in studio. I, I told everybody, I want to get guys that I know uh, on my show. I don't want to have a stranger um, until I get in studio because I want to be able to throw people for a loop and know I'm joking. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. <laughs> I don't want somebody to be like, what? I went on the manifest. Was I? <laughs> what? Oh, I didn't mean that. <laughs> and even with that, right, as you go into a Gary joke, you still have to think about the fact that now in, in the media age, people will just take whatever clip and then just use that, right? So then yeah. they'll just be like, you're on the Epstein thing. Before I could even speak, cut, boom, done. <laughs> it's all yeah. out there. Like, we live in a crazy world, Gary. We live in a crazy world. That's why you're a very dangerous man. You're a very no, dangerous, no. very dangerous invite here. I'm safe, man. I'm safe. Come on. <laughs> It's all the love, Terrence. It's all the love. Now, you, okay, so you, I, I, I Wikipedia you just to make sure I was prepared, even though I know a lot about you already. Uh, so I just want to start out with, you were born in New York, but raised in North Carolina, correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah At yeah. what age did you move from New York to North Carolina? I, my mom says nine. I say 11. I was kind of like back and forth, so early childhood. Oh, so you have memories of being in New York. Oh, yeah. That's why we, we moved. You know, New York back in the 80s, I was, I was born in 82. So, you know, 80s, early 90s, was, was, it was a rough place. And so there was gang activity happening right on the street. I remember looking out of the window and, and seeing somebody get stabbed when I was young. And my mom was like, oh, my God, we have to move. So we moved from North Carolina. We had some family down there. And, and she got me out of the city uh, at the time. As a 9 or 11-year-old, which we'll, we'll just we'll split the difference. We'll say 10. <laughs> you go from New York, I'm assuming um, urban inner city, to rural North Carolina. What goes through a 10-year-old's head when you see, like, black people on tractors now and farmers and, you know, people growing their own gardens? It, it, it's, so, it's so crazy you say that because the, the house that we, we ended up moving to in North Carolina was literally next to a cotton field. Like, there's literally cotton right there. And so the, the transition between, you know, being around skyscrapers to, to being in the in the middle of nowhere, it was definitely tough as a as a kid. But I was always a an introvert growing up, and I, I I was an only child. I didn't have any brothers or sisters, so I kind of just was always an imaginative person and just uh, stuck to myself early on. It didn't weigh on me as much as I look back and I'm like, oh, that was a really crazy jump. Um, I just kind of always made do with whatever I had. So I, I, I tried to find ways to figure it out. And I look back at it, it was, it was a blessing. I don't think I would have been able to start my career in radio and in TV as young if I was still in the city, just because there's so much competition and so, so many things going on. I think being where I was gave me a real opportunity um, to, to, to focus on the things that I wanted to do. So I, I really value my time in North Carolina. It, it was amazing. You started like getting on the radio in high school, correct? Yeah. I, so I, at age 14 or 15, I was working at, at a farm. My mom uh, met somebody that, at a grocery store that worked at a farm. So I started working at a farm. I was like painting the, 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 the barns and like getting cobwebs. Out of, yeah, true story. The local footlocker had like their company retreat at that farm. Um, and so I met the people that worked at Foot Locker and then ended up getting a job at Foot Locker. And then when I worked at Foot Locker at about 16 years old, the local radio station did a remote at Foot Locker, like a live broadcast from Foot Locker. And when I met the people from the radio station, I asked for an internship and that's how I started. So I was on the radio with my own radio show when I was about 16 years old, 17 years old. 
Dude, I could completely see you in high school hustling people at Foot Locker. Yeah, One. those look good, man. No, that's the hot shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> all day, could, all day. Was you, was you the Foot Locker worker that, that hemmed you up as soon as you walked through the door in the mall, or did you let people browse a little bit? You know, they had me in the back. I was a scraggly kid. I used to be the, like the Stockholm guy. So I never, I never been behind the register, and I was like the the runner, you know. And then eventually, I think by the time I moved up to um, to to being a salesperson, um, I was like on the radio at the same time. So you, you, radio is a very introverted career. Like, so people think I have a big personality, but I actually have like a really like smaller personality. It's it's weird. Mm -hmm. But no, I, I wasn't the guy hemming you up in the front. I was I was I was more shy back then. I was gonna say I could I could completely see somebody going in buying a pair of tennis shoes and you going you need these insoles too you want the spray <laughs> spray will keep the them spray, clean yeah. baby no uh, I want some fucking shoes <laughs> I didn't I come for shoe spray to sell something one hundred percent one hundred percent so then obviously my daughter is going to A and T yep. uh, next year uh, God willing hopefully they'll be back in school and then. You go to A&T, was that the first choice? Or did you have other, was you between A&T and other schools when you was going to college? I was working, like I said, at, at, at a radio station and I thought that's what I wanted to do with my life. So my mom was really the one that was like, look, you have to break, you, you have to break this mold. You have to go to college. Nobody in my family had ever went to college. So I didn't even really want to go. And my grades in high school weren't great. And I applied to a bunch of colleges. I applied to, you know, all, all the colleges in North Carolina, uh, Carolina, NC State, all of those. And I didn't have the grades to do it. So I didn't get accepted anywhere. And uh, North Carolina A&T was like one of the only schools that gave me a shot. You know, they gave me an opportunity. So whenever I talk about my love for black colleges, I think for, for us, you know, they're essential because they give opportunity to a lot of people. And so when I started at ANC, I had like a 2.5 uh, or almost a 2.3 GPA, if I can remember. And I was on academic probation. And by the time I graduated, I had a 3.7, student body president, member of Omega Sci-Fi. But it really took those four years in college um, to get to where, you know, I, I was there. So um, I always tell people, man, black colleges uh, are, are, mean everything to me, and, and that's why I, I support them to this day. And I, I think it's important you say that because when we did our, our campus visit with my daughter, we had, we had like four schools lined up for her to visit. We went to A&T and canceled the rest. Because yeah, literally, she said, this is where I want to go. And as I'm walking around campus, as a, a white middle-aged white dude walking around here, it struck me, I go, this, these are the, the black people that the media should be highlighting. Yeah. Uh, I, it's the, we get so many bad images of black men, especially, in the media. And, but mm -hmm. if you go to any HBCU, well, those are the images that should pop in your head. When you think of black people, as I'm walking around campus, I go, where's all the, where's all the media coverage with this? <laughs> and, and, you know, there's this, this stereotype um, and this misconception that HBCUs lack in, in anything, right? Like, like, as if we don't have the right books or the right infrastructure. But when you go to North Carolina A&T's campus and you see, you know, our cafeteria and our gymnasium and our classrooms and our dorm rooms and everything, I mean, we, it is super state of the line. And, and the experience that you get there is, is second to none. And I, you know, I would challenge any student that went to any school versus, you know, my, our alumni and our, our, our student body, man, we got some really smart, you know, some really smart kids. And, and um, you know, I, I, I really heavily support HBCUs. I, I don't know how to be alumni of other schools, but the minute I announced that on social media that my daughter's going to A&T, I had so many people from different cities hitting me up. Like, some people thought we were still in Cincinnati. I didn't know there was this whole Cincinnati A&T alumni group. Like, they meet for lunch, and they get together. Really? And, and they, yeah, they just... Oh, we're it's, all over. Aggies are all over. All over. It's almost like, like in the NFL, you got Pittsburgh Steelers fans. They're yeah, everywhere. Exactly. Everywhere. And you don't realize it. It's the same with A&T. I didn't realize it. I get people just come up to me at the airport. 
and just like, okay, you about to be an Aggie. I was like, okay. I'm, I'm a little disappointed homecoming's canceled because I was geeked. I can't <laughs> believe you're going to miss your first homecoming. So next year, you got to do the comedy show. We got to do the comedy show and do the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I, now, I did the comedy show back in 2012. I did the comedy show. And uh, I had to leave, though. I didn't get to stay for the whole weekend. Is the they, Gary Owens poster behind your head? Like, is that supposed to be there to, like, let yeah, people know? Like, is this, like, a flow into, like, gear, like, right over the thing? I don't know. I just feel like like having to think like a man poster would be, like, more subtle. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just feel like yeah. it's very, very, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Look, Terrence, if you got a TV show with your name on it, it should be front and center, wherever you're at. I got it. You know what I mean? All right. <laughs> If you had the Terrence J show, it would be there. I guarantee you, it would be I, I surrounded. Guess, I guess having daycare posters. right over your head would be a lot worse. It's Daddy Daycare. That yeah, was a Daddy huge Daddy monster Daycare. movie it's I was big in. Film. By it was the way. a big film. Big film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was huge. It, was, it made more money than uh, Think Like a Man. By the way, not not to, not to brag. Yeah, well over hundred. It's a kids movie, man. Kids movies, you got to buy four tickets. You don't hey, buy will. two, you buy hey, four. Hey, will uh, Gary's over here talking shit. Uh, it is what it is. I just hey, I'm just going off numbers. Just numbers, baby. <laughs> just, just numbers. <laughs> Men lie, women now, lie, numbers dumb. It's funny. I was I've I've had Ely on, I've had Kevin on, and I've had Will on the podcast. And I'm gonna get I'm gonna get everybody from the cast eventually. Obviously, as I talked to Ely and I talked to Will, especially, I said, um, have you so ever I'm been forced in line? On like Fourth. your think like a man friendships like what the fuck bro have well, you Robin ever stayed can't... at Will House have no. you ever stayed at Will's house so you stayed oh. at my crib and I get the fourth call well, Romney canceled you would have been fifth but I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> Romney Romney's the one I got to be ready for I want him in studio because he's gonna go he's gonna talk and talk and he's gonna tell me what's oh, wrong yeah. with my diet yeah what's yeah. wrong with my skin remember what's wrong with the shower heads that year oh yeah okay. Let's get into that. What Terrence is talking about, when we didn't think like a man too, we were in Vegas shooting and everybody's staying at Caesars. And Romney comes with a gift for everybody and he wrapped it up like a gift. Like he put it in a little gift bag and it was a shower head to filter the water so the water's soft on your skin. And everybody just was looking at him like, what? And he came with a wrench, he installed it. And everybody shower and we all got to set the next day going, dude, my skin feels amazing. What was that shower so, head? So here's what's crazy. I so he installed mine, but then I ended up like moving to another room. Like I so so I didn't have him do it again. I was like, I'm not gonna make him install the thing again. And so I didn't use it, and my skin was dry as hell. My skin was fucked up. <laughs> and I realized, like, oh, Romney was right. Like the stuff that that's when I really realized that the stuff Romney said is not just like Make, make believe stuff. Like he was completely accurate. If you did not use that shower head, your skin was gonna be trash. Romney Malco, if they ever replace the Dos Equis man, the most interesting, interesting man in the world, if they wanna replace that guy, it's Romney's gotta be next. 100%. He's gotta be next. 100%. I've never met anybody that, he made me gluten free. He One, explained to me about gluten. And here's how he did it, Terrence. He goes, Gary, you got your intestines, right? Your intestines right here. When you eat food, there's tentacles in your intestines and it breaks down the food. And this is how your tentacles move. He goes, when you have gluten in your system, it slows the tentacles down. <laughs> he goes, pretty soon they're not moving. Then you get clogged up. And I go, I'm good. I'm not eating gluten no more. <laughs> wow. But he, I'm at a restaurant and I'm looking at his hands like this. What the fuck is he doing to me right now? <laughs> Yo, tentacles. Yeah. Yo, hilarious. They're in your intestines, and they stop, you know? We got sidetracked since you're my fourth guest. I apologize. Hey, you're before any of the girls. I got, I got the guys on first. Well, it's you good know? to know you're a misogynist. Great. But listen, you got to... I, I had... Listen, in my defense, I had to get Kevin when I could get him. I had no call on that. Kevin that was like, hey, true. I can do it this week. Done. I pushed D-Ray for, for Kevin. I go, D-Ray, I had Sorry. you, but I got I got to push you back. Hey. D-Ray was a little in his feelings, but he's all right. <laughs> but Mike was my first guest because we just, we went on vacation together, not together in Hawaii. Um, so I had to get him on first. And then Will called me. So don't put, don't act like I reached out to Will. Will called me. I don't believe that. We wanted to talk about football because he was excited Tom Brady got ah. picked up by the Bucks, So he wanted to got talk it. a little football. And now how many, so, so uh, how far in? You've been doing this a long time, though. Well, here's what happened. I, I had the podcast and I did over 100 episodes, but I was doing it on my own. And then I got with a, a company 
and they said, hey, we want to get behind it and start having guests and going to build a studio. Do, do and they everything. hire black people or all the... Yeah, we got a lot of black people on my staff. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm making, making sure. Just, it's a lot of people on the Zoom. I don't see no people of color. There's two people on the I'm Zoom, Terrence. <laughs> There's I'm two doing that to everybody. Engineer. Yo, that's what and, I'm doing to everybody, by the way. Literally, I go into the grocery store. No, uh, no extra slots here. No black people yeah. can work behind the red. Yeah. You know, sorry. We're fighting a good fight right now, Gary. Let us have our moment, all right? Let us Dude, have I'm our moment. I'm on the squad. I know, hey. I know. You're one of us. That's what I'm saying. Did you see the responsibility video? Where I all saw, the white people said I take responsibility, and I said it, I didn't take responsibility for shit. It's brilliant. Here. It's brilliant. And, you know, there are some white people, right, where, like, as a black person, if you say, nah, that, they're one of us, black people would still get mad. Like, yo, you can't be giving away the car to everybody. You know what I'm saying? But with you, like, it's, it's actually, like, a, a known thing. Like, it's actually good. You're good. You're one of us. But here's, here's the thing about me, though, Terrence. I'm not, for me with black people, I'm not just saying I got black friends or I did a movie with black people. Like, you know, I go to black clubs. Yeah. Oh. I go to black-owned establishments all the time to support, and, and sometimes some sometimes are terrible. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> it's all the black establishments. All of them are great. <laughs> I've been to some restaurants. I was like, oh, I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna come back here again. <laughs> not, listen, if, if, if you don't just parade around with the culture, you're not like half in, half out. Like you really. You know, 365, you're always repping the culture. Before was the 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 popularized thing to do so. So that's why you get my respect. You, you, you're really of the culture. Okay, this is funny. This is the first time I hung out with Terrence at a club. We're shooting the first Think Like a Man. And I knew Terrence was the guy because he'd always come in with, he'd be like, on the first one, he was a little hungover sometimes. And he'd be like, oh, so-and-so had a record release last night. And he's... You know, he's in the makeup chair. He's got these things under his eyes to keep the swelling down. And the makeup's putting the, the eye drops in so his eyes aren't white. Or are white. They're not red. Wow. Yep. And so I had, I'd ask, if I had to want to do anything, I was, I was like, hey, anything going on Saturday? And I immediately asked you and Fred. And we'll get into Fred in a minute. Fred is, is Terrence's left and right hand, by the way. <laughs> I show up and I text you. I said, Terrence, I'm here. And you said, all right, Fred's going to come get you. So you got like 300 black people trying to get into this club. Terrence is in it. Fred comes out, is looking for me. He's doing this. And I'm, I'm one white guy going, Fred, Fred. <laughs> so Fred goes like this. He points at me. Then he goes, who else is with you? I said, I'm by myself. He goes, who the fuck goes to a nightclub by themselves? I've I never go, seen that in my life. <laughs> I said, you guys were here. <laughs> who was I going to bring? <laughs> Which is, and, by the way, thank you for that. Travel light, travel far. I love. I, I've always loved that about you. You never came with a big entourage. You always fit in. Like you're, you're, you're the perfect club wingman. Here's the thing, and I've always told my guy that, uh, and I, you know, you know, Brad. Brad's usually with me if I got anybody. But I always said there's nothing worse than a guy rolling up to somebody's table with like five guys, and nobody's got no, nobody's oh. in their pockets to help with the bill oh. or nothing. You're just like, oh, you guys just want to drink all my shit and leave. Got it. <laughs> it, it the worst. Nah, you're, you're definitely good at the club. We, we've been a lot of clubs together over time, bro. A lot. Yeah, we've had, we've had some good nights. We'll keep that off the podcast. But <laughs> No. So when we got Think Like a Man, mm -hmm. I, was you the last person cast it? Yeah. You was the last one. Do you know who they were looking at? Or they just, you don't know. They just came to you. I, I have my ideas in my head. Um... I, I'm not sure. I know what happened, though. Uh, I was in New York doing 106, I believe. Will called me. We had done uh, uh, Stomp the Yard 2 together. And he called me for the table read because I think whoever they were looking at, I don't know if it was Columbus Short or uh, some somebody, some, some be bigger, better actor uh, than me at the time was supposed to do the role. And I think that person was just unavailable for the table read. I'm not sure who it was. Um, 
And so I, I came in to do the table read and I, I didn't know what a table read was. So I like memorized the entire script. And <laughs> I, I remember that. sitting there and everybody was looking on page and I was just kind of like going off. And I remember Clinton Will had a conversation. It was like, yo, we might as well just get him. And even if he's not good, uh, at least he knows, <laughs> at least he'll be able to set <laughs> Kevin up for jokes. And yeah. um, and that was how I got it. Yeah. And then I didn't get really... I don't, I don't think I really, I think I got like SAG minimum or something like that. I think all of my money was back in because um, everybody else was much more expensive at the time, I'm sure. So I think I, think I was the economical choice and uh, I'm really appreciative because it changed my life. I think it changed everybody's lives. I mean, everybody was doing their thing, but like like Jerry, I was when I was talking to Jerry Ferreira, who I haven't had on, by the way, uh, he's going to be on, but um, he said when he was at the table read, it struck him. He said, oh, my God, this is all set up for Kevin to hit a home run. He goes, he just, we just didn't know how far he was going to hit it. Yeah. So th that movie definitely made Kevin Hart the oh. star, and he took off with it. I think it made Will Packer, somebody that the studios were like, oh, we can give him more money to do more movies. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it helped me tremendously because, I mean, I was doing stand-up, and I was, I was headlining. I was doing okay, but... I was on like one of these like four or five year runs where I was like on a hamster wheel. I was yeah. just, this money wasn't changing. I was doing fine, but it was just boom, boom. And then everything started to happen after Think Like a Man came out. Yeah. And just everything just took off. And I think it did that for a lot of people. And, and you stole, I mean, look, you stole every scene that you were in, you know? I mean, with the exception of, of Kevin, you know, you were definitely the funniest person on set. And, and, and a lot of times, as funny or funnier than him, I mean, you, you held your own, you know? And, and when you and Kevin together, when y'all got into y'all little rhythm, it was just, it was undeniable, man. Y'all just two of the funniest people I know. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> and Ron, I mean, but it's just a really good team. Like, Romney is super funny and people don't like, like, it, it just, it was just the right group of people. It was, and I, and I was talking, when I was talking to Ely and Will about it, I said, Ely said most movies is like summer camp. You go, you mm -hmm. have fun with people, and then everybody goes on with their lives and go in different directions. I don't think I've ever worked on any production, TV show, movie, anything, where all of us like stayed in touch and all of us yeah. like generally root for each other. Yeah. Like I love getting those texts, not texts, but the emails that we're all on the email chain and somebody's got something coming out and we're just asking for the support of our other cast members. Yeah. I've never I've never been a part of anything like that. Now Will said Girls Trip was similar with the four girls. Mm. Uh, but as far as like just here we are, because I don't know if you realize this, and I, I talked about it with Ely, we spent kind of four straight years together because 2011, we shot the first one. 2012, it came out, so we had to do the press runs together. 2013, we shot the second one. In 2014, it came out. That's like four summers we all hung out. Yeah. In a row, heavy. And especially in Vegas, that really bonded everybody. And, and <laughs> it, was, it was at a time where, you know, everybody was doing their thing. Like Gabby had a, had a career and Taraji had a career and Regina had a career. But I, I feel like this was just a pivotal moment for everybody. And, and from there, it was like, it went from, you know, everybody had a career to like superstardom, like multiple superstars off of the cast and like, you know, really big hit home run shows uh, that spawned after it. So I think it was just a, a really special time for everybody. And like you said, just, you know, spending all of that time together consecutively in that pivotal time in everybody's life was just special, you know. Whenever, you know, I just talked to Regina the other day and Gabby's my neighbor and, you know, Lala is like my sister. I mean, we just have a, a, a really good, you know, Megan and everybody, you know. We just had a really good group of people. It really was. It's like, it's like you just add it like five brothers and six sisters you didn't yeah. know you had. You know, yeah, now yeah. how did and, and everybody's still doing well? Like nobody's like on drugs yet. Nobody's like oh. fucked up. Nobody's in jail. Or, you <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? Knock on wood. Like everybody's still alive and legal and knock on wood. We doing all right. Yeah, I know what nobody's doing though. Whatever happened to? Yeah, no, nobody. If we if we ever do a third one, it's not gonna be like the one we got a bail. We got bail Rodney out for the third movie. Oh right? man, this guy's this guy's struggling. Get Rodney to get Kevin on the line. Kevin, yeah. gotta get Rodney out. We don't really have the the wild ones because I've never. I'm trying to think. Nah, nobody's really super wild. 
Nobody's really super wild. But even if somebody was, Romney would be the drug counselor. He'd get you out of it. Romney would be the drug counselor. <laughs> Honestly, if I if I look back, I would have made different decisions on all of it. Like I I was definitely like, you know, going out more than I should have and partying more than I should have. You know, I, I was I was the youngest. I was the baby. So yeah. I, I, if I could go back, I would have definitely like not done some of that because I know I was I was wilding. But here's the thing, and, the, and I, this is great about having Will and Tim. I mean, it was just like, they, it's like, they know like sometimes you got to release. You're on set a lot. There's a lot of stress. And, and that's what I like about Will especially. Like he knows he's not, he's not like, you went out. You're not taking this job serious. Like yeah. he, he said, I know there's a stress behind this and some pressure behind it. And sometimes you just got to have a release. You know yeah. what I mean? To yeah. get out a little bit. Now, how did you, two, two, two people in your life I see you with all the time, and I'm curious, how did you and Lala get so close? Think Like a Man 1, we were getting close. Think Like a Man 2, we got really close. And I think Lala and I have kind of had similar tra career trajectories to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she was doing TRL, I was doing 106. We kind of both started as hosts. Uh, we were both like in big public relationships kind of at the same time and would and would kind of counsel each other and you know we've we've both gone through a lot and then we just kind of just connected you know like i don't have many people that i like consider like a real sister and as an only child you know i take that word really seriously and la is just one of those like really solid people to where if she was on set shoot, shooting something in the middle of the night and i call her and i'm like yo i gotta talk to you she would like take a minute and walk off and like hold me down so i mean you know she she's just one of those people man she's just a really solid person and yeah i mean you know if you get to know lot you just know like she's super like solid and grounded and will just hold you down and so yeah i i, I i'm really blessed to have her i thought i thought you guys knew each other like you was close before the first think like a man so this relationship kind of blossomed after we knew each like, other for sure, but I mean, like you said, being on set like that every single day was like, that, that was just a completely different experience. And I mean, again, all of this is now, you know, it's, it's been over 10 years. How, how, long, how old is nine the Nine years. One? We shot in 2011, the first Think Like a Man, so it's yeah, been nine. So, yeah, I've, I've known La for 15 years for sure, but really, really got to know her, know her uh, on set of the first one. Well, let me tell you where I knew Lala was the coolest was... She had a premiere party for um, her show. The, the, why were she didn't think like a man? She had the premiere party for her um, Full Court Life, the reality yeah. show. So she just saw me on set, and I barely knew her. I, just, I literally just came up and introduced myself because I didn't have any scenes with her in the first one. And I said, hey, I'm Gary, you know, blah, 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 you know being me. And she goes, hey, uh, we're doing my um, premiere blah, 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 in a couple days. You got to come through. And I said, okay, and we exchanged numbers. And then she texted me like, are you coming? I said, yeah, I'm coming. Okay. And then when I got there, everyone, and you were there, we all went to her house afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And she had, the, she had literally the tiniest pool I've ever seen in LA. It was so tiny. <laughs> I go, you my oh my God. House of, uh, yeah. <laughs> I go, oh my God, look at your tiny pool. <laughs> That's the first thing I noticed. It was so little. <laughs> I go, you can do a lap and be touching both sides. That house was fire though. That was, that oh, that the house was amazing. Was, yeah. But that pool was so tiny. <laughs> it was almost like... Command the outside, the little area. Oh, I'm not knocking the house. I'm just saying it was a tiny pool. It was so tiny. And then, uh, but she, were, I'm standing out front, and this was like pre-Uber. Like Uber was just starting to hit. So nobody was at Uber. So I, was, I think I was literally waiting on a cab. And she goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm just waiting on a cab. She goes, where are you going? I said, I'm just going back to my room. And she goes, no, nah, no, nah, you're coming with us. And then went over there and hung out. And I go, oh. That's when I knew, I go, okay, she's just the coolest chick because she yeah. made sure I was included in the whole night, you know, and, and, and I was by there's myself. No, there's no pecking <laughs> order. It's not like you got to be, like, La is, like, super close with, you know, Kim and Kelly Rowland and Beyonce. Like, she, like, she has big, high-level friends, and you could be the lowest person. She treats Fred, she treats my brother Fred, who is not the lowest person, but... Who, whether you're on TV or not on TV, you know, me and La, we went to um, 
Bermuda last year together. Uh, actually, me, La, and Megan, and some other friends. And man, just watching like Lala and Megan, like the way they would talk to like any like local person, you know, that that would bring out food or whatever. Like they would talk to the local Uber driver in Bermuda with the same amount of love and affection as they would, you know, uh, uh, an Oscar or Grammy winning person. Like they're just, just mm -hmm. very solid, solid people. Yeah, yeah. Now let's get into Fred. Okay. Anybody watching this podcast, unless you know Terrence, you're not going to know Fred. But Fred's a celebrity in, in himself. He is. Because celebs, if you, if you can't get a hold of Terrence, call Fred. Fred answers the phone every time. He's a legend. And Fred got mad at me because I said I left tickets for him to one of my shows. And somebody goes, Who, who's Fred? I said, that's Terrence's assistant. And Fred said... Motherfucker, did you call me? <laughs> That's the first time he got like sniffy when I go, I'm sorry, what, what should I give you? He goes, I'm way more than that. <laughs> I was like, my hey, fault, Fred. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I and I've never called him that shit. That was my I, fault. I, but I, I, I was just better. I was I was telling that to somebody to make sure he got in backstage and everything. Yeah. And then uh, I said, I'll never do it again. I apologize. But Fred went to ANT with you, right? Yeah. And then he was with you the entire journey up until you got 106 in Park. Like he was riding with you to all I'll these auditions. Key, uh, I'll give a few key Fred highlights, uh, and then I'll I'll ring it in. So so a mutual friend introduced me to Fred. The the day I met Fred, I was hosting a party and I was passing out flyers to put on. I was putting them on cars. This is back before Instagram and Facebook. So you literally this had at to put the, right. Yeah, back at a &T. Okay. So uh, we were college freshmen or college. I was a college freshman. Uh, I think Fred was uh, a sophomore or maybe senior. I can't remember. The day I met Fred, I had a big stack, 10,000 flyers in a box. And the moment I met him, uh, somebody introduced him. He was like, yo, you need help? And that was it. Like, from that moment, we've been business partners. He took half of the stack, passed them out, and then we went from passing out flyers to promoting parties to he, you know, I would DJ and, um, and host the parties and he would, he would uh, work with the promoters and get the money and do the whole thing. So he started as my manager super early on. So hold on, hold on. Hold on, I don't want to stop you. So you're passing out flyers and Fred doesn't know you from anybody and just walks up and says, yo, you need help? A, a, a girl that was in class with me was just like, man, he, this kid is really motivated. And then she had already known Fred and was like, I need you to meet this other kid because he's really motivated. And so we met when we were, you know, 17, 18 years old, uh, freshmen. And, and she was like, you know, she just plugged us together and it was serendipitous. You know, I never would have met him if she didn't do it. Her, her, her name was uh, Courtney. And wow. she introduced us. And then the day that we met, we started passing out flyers. Fast forward, about a month later, we were we was in an IHOP with our boy Travis, and I forgot. Travis how, Bond. Yeah, Travis Bond. Yeah. And I don't know how it started, but some guys got mad at at Travis or Fred or somebody, and before the fight could come to me, Fred punched the guy right in the face, knocked him out cold, and and I didn't even have to lift a finger. Fred got a one hit a quitter in. Fred got it. Fred, Fred, so me and Fred have been in multiple fights over the years. Fred got a couple. I've seen Fred do like three one-hitter quitters. For real? Fred's got that? Fred got a mean one-hitter quitter. I've but seen he's him wiry. Not, I've seen him with his shirt off and stuff. He's got that, that yeah. quick twitch build. Like, oh, he could probably hit you when see it coming. For, for sure. Like, I'm all, like, we're both fighters, right? I'm always like a scrappy, like, you know, I'm going to smack you and punch you and then back up, you know. Yeah. But like, Fred will really get in there and, and, and really throw a punch. So, yeah, so first time we hung out, he knocked somebody out. I was like, okay, well, I, I know he has my back. Right. Uh, and then, then we pledged um, in a fraternity together. So then I was a four and he was the five and Travis Bond was a six. This when, is the, the Q Dogs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Omega Sapphire. Yeah. And um, so he's been my brother for life. And then bringing it all full circle, when I graduated from college, I kind of gave up on entertainment and was just going to work at, at, in a marketing job. And Fred was the one that called me and was like, yo, you know, there are auditions for BET. Come to New York. So I stayed on Fred's couch. And when I got cut from the audition, 
Fred is like drove me uh, with Travis. We went to the next audition site. And so um, if it wasn't for having, you know, my boys in my life, I never would have pursued my career and kept going. And so bringing the story full circle is, you know, a lot of people think to make it in the entertainment industry, they think you have to reach up. Right. They think, oh, let me find somebody that's already made it or find somebody that's famous to lift me up. Right. And I always say the, the most important thing is, is reaching across. There's somebody that's your age, that's in your life, that has similar goals, has similar aspirations and ambitions. And it's, it's important to partner with those people. And so, you know, my business partner, I'd rather give 10% to my boy who we came up together than to find, you know, some, some Hollywood manager to tell me what I know we can figure out on our own. So I always just preach to people, man, keep, keep those that love you and support you close. Uh, and that's just so important, man. And, and, and don't ever give up on them. And so now, you know, we're going on uh, 20 years now, you know, because, wow. yeah, we was freshmen in, in 2000. So, yeah, we're going on 20 years now. So those one-hitter quitters are coming slower. <laughs> much. <laughs> well, oh, he's, he's, no, he's, Fred, he's what still, happened? Fred's in the gym still every day. My one-hit quitters are gone. Like, <laughs> like you, you can push me right over. I'm done. Right. And, and, you're, not, and you're not fighting IHOP anymore. You're fighting no, at crustaceans. No. No, you, <laughs> you stepped up the restaurant game. Give me that crap. Give me noodles. <laughs> I think that's important because, you know, anybody behind the scenes that knows Fred, you meet Fred within five minutes. You mm -hmm. love that dude. And, and by you saying him helping with the flyers, he came to one of my shows in Virginia Beach five years ago. You know, I'm out front hustling my T-shirts and doing meet and greets. I look over. Fred took over the 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 T-shirt selling. He done separated into small, medium, large, extra large. He's handling the money, and I'm looking at him like, okay, I know Fred, but do I trust him? Like, <laughs> I was like, I know how many T-shirts I brought. All the money's there, and I text you. I said, dude, this dude is working, and you yeah, go, that's just yeah. Fred. That's yeah, just Fred. That's just, yeah, like he just came to the show. Hung out. He sees me coming out for the meet and greet, and it got a little overwhelming in the lobby. And you know, you know, my guy's Brad. Uh, Brad's like my Fred to you, yeah, yeah. but Brad, um, it, <laughs> he's not good with confrontations. <laughs> Brad ain't gonna hit a one hit a quitter. Brad's only fight story was he got knocked out at a Burger King. That's the one fight story he told me. He goes, "Yeah, man, this dude hit me. I don't know what happened. I was under the uh -oh. table." <laughs> so. Brad's good for me because I can get high strung, so he brings me down. Yeah. But when shit gets a little chaotic, Brad will just step back like, whew, man, Boy. this is crazy. <laughs> and that's his voice, too. That's the yeah. voice, too. But Fred, I looked over, Fred, like, Brad, you him the pictures, I got the t-shirts. So the fact that you said you met him and he said, let me help you with the flyers, that just, I was like, I can totally see Fred yeah. as an 18-year-old freshman doing that completely. Yeah. All day, all day, still to this day. And there's nobody, I don't think there's anybody I've met that has a bad word to say about Fred. I nobody. Hope they don't do that bad word to say about me? Jesus Christ. A couple, couple. A couple? I ain't gonna say nothing. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy, the guy that didn't get the job at 106 and Park, I'm sure he still calls you an asshole. <laughs> it's always down to one or two. Now that's, and, and, you, and you said that about Fred, and I, I definitely wanted to touch on that during the podcast, was you kind of gave up on the, on the entertainment business, so to speak, Fred tells you, hey, they're having auditions for BET. Did you know it was 106 in Park? It wasn't even 106. They, were just, they had a new face contest, and it was just like an open casting call. And so thousands of people, you know, were in line, uh, standing out there in line to, to get it. And like I said, the first time I auditioned, I got cut. But I remember I was in line for so much that the, the kid that was in front of me, I remember he had curly hair, and he didn't get cut. He got a, 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 a green check on his page. And I, and I thought to myself, man, if the guy that was standing right in front of me could make it to the second round, I at least got to make it to the second rounds of the auditions. You know, Fred was the one like, yo, let's just go. Let's go get it. And so we drove from New York down to Atlanta and we auditioned again. And that's when, that's when I got it. And, you know, even when I got it then, I was still like, understudying under Big Tigger, who was a mentor to me. And so it, it was it was still like almost a year between starting at BET and, and actually getting 106 in Park. So then you go down to Atlanta, 
you get the green check, and then what do you do? They did they fly to New York? They take you to New York, or what, what happens after that? Yeah, they flew like the top ten, maybe it was, to New York, and um, so Roxy was part of that top ten, and then um, uh, Lamorne Morris, uh, who's on New Girl. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lamorne is it was on the ten with us. Uh, and Alicia Renee, some really cool people. Then once we got there, then it was like a competition. And I think they selected five out of the 10 or four out of the 10. And I think uh, if I can remember the four or five was like me, Alicia, Renee, Roxy, and, and Lamorne. And so, so yeah, so that was it. And then, you know, the rest is history. I always say when, peop when people that aren't in the industry, they always come up and be like, you know, are you excited? Like your movie's coming out, are you excited? And I go, no, the excitement is the phone call saying you got the part. That's yeah. the exciting part. Once you've done the movie, you're, you're at work, and then the movie coming out, it's exciting, but you're kind of removed from it from nine, yeah. 10 months. How did you feel when they BT calls and, yo, we're gonna have you replace AJ oh, at 106 was, Park? It was, it was life-changing, you know? Um, and I didn't even think about, because we got a lot of backlash. I mean, people hated it in the beginning, especially. But at that point, man, I was literally living on Fred's couch, man. I, I didn't have a, a pot to piss in. And so I was uh, just ex excited to have a job and, 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 and so just excited to have a career. And, you know, it was life-changing, man. That, that situation, you know, Think Like a Man in 106 and Park definitely changed my life. And then E! News changed my life in a different way. Uh, but those were definitely life-changing. I remember I was at your house with, uh, with Travis, Fred, and uh, Schaefer. Yeah. Schaefer is, the, is, is, is me <laughs> if I was a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> he's, One he's a white dude. Million percent. What did he do? He's, he went to North Carolina, but then he went to NC Central? Yeah, he went to right? Central and he went to, uh, to Howard. Um, Howard. It's a white dude, yeah. people. This is a blonde-headed, paler-than-me white dude. Yeah, yeah. With uh, so much um, flavor. Almost so much like flavor. Red, kind of, yeah, much, yeah. much, uh, like aesthetically the whitest guy you could ever meet in your life. Until, the, until you're around him. And, until you're around him. And he just that loves, vibe. he loves black culture, loves black women, loves black music. He's just one of us, you know? And there, there's, a, there's one thing to love it, but there's another level to appreciate it and then to ingrain yourself in it. Yeah. And, and, not to, and not for show, like, that's just, we're out and, here. And that's what I was gonna say, from an authentic way. I know you've partnered with Dion Taylor. Uh, how, did, how did that relationship come about? You and Dion getting together to, you know, I guess you guys doing movies in the future together? And well, Will stopped hiring me, so uh, Dion. <laughs> nah, nah, uh, Will's Blame one of my Shayla. best friends. I, I am Shayla. joking. I am joking. <laughs> you, you gotta always, the moment you say a joke now, you gotta make sure, hey, I'm joking. Uh, nah, <laughs> the first release knows. afterwards would be, uh, Terror says, Will Packer, stop. Yeah. No, um, you know, Dion is, is, is incredible, man. I, I think he, he has a, an amazing cinematic eye. Uh, he's a black business owner. What him and Robert Smith and Roxanne are doing is, is phenomenal. I mean, you know that you you've, you've done the meet the blacks film so mm -hmm. uh, i saw meet the blacks too by the way you crushed it um, i haven't seen it yet no it's incredible when is we that just, coming out Dion? We, we, we're working on that we just left <laughs> the edit and, and, it, and it looks amazing uh but yeah i mean you, um look how I, did you I and him Dion. like link how did you link me and Dion met in a uh, we met one time in a restaurant randomly and then i came on set of of, of uh meet the blacks too to visit, I think either you or Brisha or Duval or somebody, and and then we kind of met and had a rapport. And then I was in um, Hawaii shooting uh, an MTV show, and Dion flew over to see me, and we just talked about film, and we just really hit it off. And and like I said, I just I think Dion is a visionary, and, and um, I think it's a collective man. I think what Will is doing is important, what Dion is doing is important, what Kenya and Lena and and you know Issa and just I think there's a really Michael. B. Jordan, there's a really good group of us out there right now, and I think all of it is important. Talk, you just said you met with Dion in Hawaii, and then also I remember when you had the perfect match come out, you flew right from there to go to Anguilla, right? Oh, yeah. yeah Did yeah, I remember yeah. that correctly? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I don't get jealous a lot of people's careers, but sometimes I'll see where you're filming, and I go, how the fuck did he get that gig? <laughs> you, listen, I don't know what show you did in Hawaii. There's no way you was working. 
Because all I saw was you and Michael B. Jordan and Stilo <laughs> Brim on the golf carts. I go, what show is this? <laughs> but it was every day. It was every, it was like for a week straight on your Instagram. I go, he's not working. This show's going to fail. <laughs> uh, that show is Are You The One? Um, and it did not fail. It was good. No, I'm kidding. This season. <laughs> <laughs> um, but nah, I, uh, I'm, I'm good with making things stretch out. So I could take a good two days or something and make it seem like it's a week. I'm, I'm very good at that. How did you get tight with uh, Michael B? Because, you know, he's, he's one of the hottest guys out there right now. And you've been friends with him for a while. Yeah, we were friends before, you know, he was scorching like this, you know. Um, we probably got, I mean, yeah, I think before Fruitvale... I think we got, like, more close, like, when he was doing Fantastic Four. But, like, I've known Mike since, you know, uh, forever. Um, I just, I, I think he's super talented. But uh, I, I think, for me, one of my skill sets is, is recognizing greatness, man, recognizing talent, man. I, I, I remember meeting him long ago and knowing, like, oh, God, this guy's going to be a star, man. He's going to be incredible. Uh, but he's got mm -hmm. a great personality, too. He's just a dope dude. So we, we hit it off because, you know, we have a, a love for basketball and video games and he's just awesome man in your garage right do you have people sign your garage when they come over yeah yeah well i saw a video you had a party it was pre-covid clearly uh was it christmas party yes yeah the so you christmas need another party. garage because yeah. everybody yeah. was a dead bitch yeah, it was <laughs> insane, man. You know, uh, Puff was here. Meek Mills performed at the house. Megan, Meg The Stallion, Trey Songs, OT Genesis. You know, this was was the that the plan? Smokes. No, no. I woke up that that day. Uh, it was me, Lenny S, Tiana Taylor, and my boy Jay Ryan, and we just wanted to do something real small. And then it just kind of it was just one of those nights. And I remember uh, Meek was in the studio with Lenny, and and Meek, Lenny told Meek to pull up. And then when Meek pulled up, I called Puff. I was like, "Yo, man, you gotta get out in these streets." So then Puff came, and then it just it just turned into one of those things. Meg was hit. It was just it was crazy. And then Pop Smoke, you know, he performed here, and and I got a chance to know him before he he he, he died, and and that was he was so he was so amazing. Uh, it was just one of those good nights. And this is the same house that I stayed in a few years ago? Where did you stay? I'm trying to remember if you was here or you was in the Hollywood Hills house. You had the biggest couch I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yeah, you did have a basketball court in the back. I think you were here before I, like, furnished this house. I hadn't furnished this house. So, yeah, you were, you were here, like, in the very beginning. Was the furniture fucked up after the party? Oh, hell yeah. So what happened is that couch, there's a photo of me like with the couch like flipped all the way upside down. I think Trey Songs lost a bracelet that night and him and his security were looking for the, the bracelet like under the couch and it was just like 6 a.m. in the morning and everybody was just looking for it. And then by the time they all left, like my entire couch was like flipped and moved into a different section of the house. So it was, uh, it was crazy. But people always ask like why I do, you know, those type of parties and why I do it. I'm just like... Man, you know, I remember growing up how much house parties meant to me. And I just, you know, I, I love my friends. I love people. And, 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 I, and I love the opportunity to, you know, have fun with the people I love the most. And you got to have a, a clean lady on call always. for the next day. Oh, right? Always, always. <laughs> That's what people say. I can't throw a house party to mess up my house. I go, That's why you got to have a clean lady on call. Always. I'll pay you double. I need to get here now. Oh, triple. <laughs> Let's get back to Dion Taylor. Do you have any um, outside of of uh, Meet the Blacks Two? Do you have any other projects in the works? Yeah. So Fatal. Um, oh, is the next Ely one. That, yeah, Michael Ely, Hillary Swank. Uh, I have a small cameo in that one. That one comes out. It was supposed to come out this summer. It'll be coming out in the fall now um, due to COVID. Uh, so we're really excited about that. Working on a voting campaign. That's a big priority right now. It's called Be Woke Vote. Um, so getting young people registered to vote is of the utmost importance. So that's what we're working on right now. And then we're doing a horror movie uh, that, that's going to really change the game. So we're going to be shooting that in, in July, August. Um, so I'll be starring in that and producing it along with them. And that, that script is phenomenal. So a lot of, a lot of cool things. Well, make sure when you're trying to get kids to register and everything else, you, you all you got to do is call me because my daughter is the next, I don't, she's going to be the biggest activist at A&T. 
So you need people to register. That's who you need I, to call. I can't <laughs> wait to see her in action. She's been to about four marches, four or five protest marches. There's a video of her. She brought the megaphone and was the one getting the chants going and what? loud. And I go, well, okay. So, I mean, she took that from your personality, man. Oh. She, took, she, she took the swag. I love I said, that. She, she found her voice. And then you hear the people going, talk about it, girl. Okay. She got the clap going. <laughs> then the claps die down and she comes off with another statistic. I was like, where's this chick been? <laughs> Who is this chick? So she definitely found her voice. So we're excited about A&T. But I don't want to hold you up anymore, man. Um, I'm so you glad you're on the show. three hours that we've already been? Now, once we're going to edit, we, we had to edit down. Terrence talked more shit about Denzel. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Everybody you won't want to work with. Diddy. Yeah, oh, God. I can't believe you said that shit about Diddy, dude. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, I appreciate you coming out. Once I get in studio and it's all built, and this is COVID over, then I'll, I'll have, I want to have you and Fred on together. Because I want to get the whole backstory about the one hitter quitter. I felt Say like we just. No more. I felt like we skipped over that. That was a great world star hip hop moment. If it was Outback, by the time we are in studio, I might have some videos. So I, if I, ha I, I might have a video footage of him punching somebody. I just can't because friends, friends and me is the one that stops the fights. He is <laughs> now. No, that's what I'm saying. He's reformed. That's why we have to uh, let our black men stay alive because the friend <laughs> now is not the friend from 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, we gotta keep we gotta keep our young men alive, man. What, is that how it came? You need help with the flyers? I mean, I'm going to help you. <laughs> well, oh, okay, Fred. <laughs> Plus, just the name Fred sounds like you, should, you would have a hard head and hard he, fist. He, he does. <laughs> I've seen him definitely punch a couple people out. But, nah, I yeah. mean, that, the, the Fred from now is not the Fred from 20 years ago for sure. All right, man. Well, look, man, I love you, brother. I'm happy for all your success, and I'll see you next time I'm in L.A., and this is all... Over with, hopefully. Come stay at the house. I, there's a new bedroom set down there for you. So come stay at the crib. I get to sign the garage. <laughs> you get to sign the garage. Did Trey Songz find his bracelet? Never did find the bracelet. All right, so it's in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's in there. All right, brother, take care, man. Love you, bro.